With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of SB Nations. The dream shakes the dream take podcast. My name is... Michael Brown and I am joining you after an unfortunate loss from our Houston Rockets to the Dallas Mavericks this evening in the home opener for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, Once again, my name is Michael Brown live with the postgame show for SB Nations, the Dream Shakes, the Dream Take podcast as we do at the Dream Take after every single Houston Rockets game. Preseason, regular season, and postseason, we go live for our post-game show. Uh, So we are here to talk all things Houston Rockets for as long uh, as we uh, either have things to talk about or as long as you, our listeners, would like to uh, talk Houston Rockets basketball with us. Uh, So uh, we will get it started here in just a moment. Look, first things first, 
game tonight. Rockets drop 116 to 106 in what was uh, a pretty, uh, I'm not going to call it a lopsided loss by the Rockets because they only lost by 10 points. They were in the game in the fourth quarter. It did feel like the entire time that uh, the Dallas Mavericks were in pretty firm control uh, of the game. So we will go ahead. Uh, and as I say that, I bring on my co-pilot, Mr. Ray Lucas. Ray, what's going down, my man? Not much. It's a pleasure as always. Uh, the pleasure, I would say, is mine. But I will say, if it is your pleasure, that it can be our pleasure together. Um, what, what were your thought, initial thoughts before we get to the box score tonight on uh, what the Rockets look like tonight? Because I thought they looked, I thought they looked okay. I mean, I, I, they didn't, you know. They didn't do anything to, you know, make me think, wow, oh, my God, they look great tonight. Uh, but I thought they looked okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they uh, they competed at a really nice level. Um, it felt more like Dallas just didn't play great rather than the Rockets playing amazing because it never really felt as if, like, they was going to, like, just come from behind and be able to steal the game. It was kind of like this gradual thing throughout the night. But I think they competed really well. That's one of the things that I'm looking for most is just the level that they compete at and the effort they give. And although there were a couple open threes and mistakes, the competitiveness was there. just wasn't enough to get the job. Yeah, it's never not going to drive me crazy, though, when no matter what the outcome of the game is, when the Rockets give up, you know, 16 points to a guy like Reggie Bullock. That's never going to sit well with me. Especially when it's like just open. Right. And- like he's wide, it's, they're, they're wide open. You know what I mean? Yeah, like if you're contested threes, then I mean, it's just that guy's night. But when he's wide open, just able to set his feet, take a deep breath and knock down threes, he, he is not going to win. No matter if the Rockets are, you know, a championship contender or rather they're rebuilding. Anytime you leave a shooter's open, that's, it's, that's just what's going to happen. Well, you can't teach effort, you know? And I feel like the Rockets showed a decent amount of effort tonight, but their defensive rotations still leave a lot to be desired. Um, big thing for me, why is KJ Martin only getting five minutes? Yeah, I don't understand. But, I mean, I guess it's a step up than what we've been seeing, so maybe they're trying to gradually work him in. But I don't think they really need to gradually work him in. I mean, he played last year, so... I feel like I could just throw him out there and let him try and create some energy because it's not like he's never played in the NBA before. But, I mean, right, he did play tonight, which is better than what we've seen in the past. And he played in, like, meaningful minutes. So I guess it's a step up. But, yeah, I think he should definitely be out there. Interesting stat from tonight's game. The Rockets played Eric off the bench. Eric Gordon, DJ Augustine, Alperen Shingun, David Nwaba, Daniel House, KJ Martin Jr. All six of those players had a positive plus minus while on the court. And every single one of those players played at least five minutes on the court mm-hmm. in a 10 point loss. And the flip side of that, Jay Sean Tate was not good tonight. He was a minus 24, three of nine from the field. He was in foul trouble all night. Daniel Tice, who for as good of a game as he played, it felt like, do you agree that this was the best game of his season for the Rockets? Yeah, I think people were upset that he missed um, a couple, like, mid-range and I think maybe, like, a putback or something like that. But overall, I feel like he was really impactful. And 
um, he defended really well because the Mavericks were, they like to play big and they were crashing the boards a lot. So the fact that he was able to pull down 10 rebounds while Christian Wood pulled down 17 is, that's a big plus. You really need that. Yeah. He was a minus 12 tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, every single, so conversely, you're sick. What is it? One, two, three. So you're seven bench players. We're all positive plus minus, and your five starters were all ne- double-digit negatives while on the court. Wood was a minus 11. Kevin Porter Jr. was a minus 18. And Jalen Green was a minus 17. I mean, Jalen Green played an awful basketball game tonight. I mean, he was 4 of 16 from the field and 2 of 9 from the three-point line. Like, Jalen Green right now, it's fair to say, is struggling. Would you agree with that statement or not? Yeah, I definitely agree, and I think – you know, when especially when you're a younger guy, when you have a really big game um, and you're coming off a really big game, you think that that's just going to carry over. And when you're young, and one of the problems with that is that you're super inconsistent. And so, four for sixteen is honestly, it didn't feel like he took. It didn't feel like to me that he took sixteen shots. Like when I look at that number, I'm kind of surprised. But yeah, it's just a struggle. And I think. Um, there's times when he's really aggressive when he drives to the rim. Like, I really like when guys who can dunk, they like playing above the rim. And there are times when it looked like he was just fine with going for layups. But this is the NBA where you have to go up aggressive every time because either someone's going to block your shot or you think someone's going to block your shot. That might alter how you put it up, and then you end up missing a layup. So I think it's just – obviously, he's aggressive on the offensive end when it comes to putting up shots, but I still want to see him, like, driving with conviction and driving like he's going to put someone on a poster. And obviously, don't go for crazy attempts because that's how you get hurt. But it's just – that's one of the little things that I think really changes how your overall game looks at the end of the night. Yeah. It, this feels an awful lot like the Rockets just don't have an offensive identity. Like, thus far this season, like – we don't know what they are. You know, are they a team that, like, Dallas is okay. Like, Dallas is not a good, don't, I'm not saying you don't. I'm saying don't anybody come on, if you want to tweet me while you're listening to this, at BSW Podcast underscore MB, that Dallas Mavericks team is not good. That's not a good basketball team. Would you, you know, are, are you on the same page with me there, or, or what are your thoughts? Like, losing this game tonight, it's their home opener. They play with a little bit more juice. But, like, looking at that team, that team is not going to touch the top teams in the West. Like, that's a bottom, like, seven or eight seed, possibly six, maybe as low as ten. They're not going to do anything in the playoffs, though. But we made them look a lot better than they actually are. Yeah, I think they'll <coughs> make the playoffs, but only because that's how far Luka's going to take them. And I think when Luka – I don't think – I mean, for me, personally, looking at the game, I don't think Luka had – the strongest night, which is nothing against him. It's just, you know, sometimes your shots just aren't falling. And because of that, I think this game was really, I wouldn't say it was super close, but it was really competitive at certain points. And there were times when it could have got away from Dallas, but Luca was able to find the guy, find the right man, and they knocked down an open three. But I think, you know, when Luca's not doing what he does and just hitting step back threes and making everyone go crazy, they're not – as great as like we think of when we think of the Mavericks. Yeah. And the reason why I say what I said about Dallas is because watching the game tonight for as much as he was lauded in Dallas. And I'm talking about Steven Silas. Are you not a little bit disappointed with the offensive execution of this team? 
like maybe it is just me, but there's there's a lot of times where I just look at what they're doing set wise that just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, like why is Daniel Tice playing on the three point line as much as he is? Why 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 did they not put Shangun? Why are they putting him at the three point line and not at the high post more? Like he belongs at the high post. The way he can pass the ball to cutters, it's a lot harder to pass a ball to a cutter from the three-point line coming from the left out, you know, the left corner than it is from the high post. Like things like that just make me think that there might be something to the fact that I just don't know. And it's not a bad thing yet because it's still so young in the season, but it just feels like this is an offensive system with no captain. Yeah. It also kind of feels like guys really, just stand around. They might come out and they might run like a pick and roll. And then from there, they'll be like just basic basketball movements, like dribble handoffs and things like that. But it doesn't, you know, when you look at NBA and you look at some of the great teams over the years, you see so much off ball movement and you see guys just ending up wide open in the paint. And that's all because of just the defense trying to react to them and them being confused because there's a whole bunch of screens running around and shooters running around. And with Houston, obviously, there's not a big need for that at the moment, but, you know, moving forward, if this is going to be the coaching staff of the future, and I say staff because maybe it's not just him, maybe it's um, uh, like a just riddled throughout the bench, but that's something that you eventually want to see. And I think they need more shooters for one. That's one thing that I'd like to see, like Armani Brooks, he is not playing and I don't know if he's hurt and I just missed that, but I feel like he changes a lot what you're able to do on offense because He's just another weapon, and you always know he's going to be behind the three-point line, but the defense has to respect that. So if he's in the corner, they have to stick out to the corner, but they don't necessarily have a threat right now. I mean, they have, like, Eric Gordon, of course, but we know who Eric Gordon is. I mean, like, just the three-point specialist type of guys. If you're going to move Eric Gordon, I mean, the last couple games, he's, what, had 20 pieces in in back-to-back games? Like, if you're going to move an Eric Gordon, this is the time to do it you know, to a team that desperately needs a guy like an Eric Gordon. I mean, I feel like with what you're talking about, this is what you and I and what Jeremy and I have talked about since the offseason. The thing that I have said, and it doesn't, and it has not changed and it won't change. If you're going to be this team, if you're going to be a version of the Rockets where you're just not very good, why are you still playing Eric Gordon, DJ Augustine, David Nwaba, Daniel House. Like, it's early. I mean, they're one in three, right? And as much as I don't want to admit it, they might be staring down being a team that's like seven and 20. That might happen. And if that happens, them playing veteran guys makes no sense. None. It doesn't make any sense to me. Like, there's no, you can't advocate for doing that if you're going to play the way that they're playing right now like they're a bunch of dude they're playing pickup basketball is what it feels on a night like tonight like guys had individual good performances that was not a good team performance first quarter through fourth quarter like kevin porter jr turning the ball over seven times is an issue he's having an issue thus far this year turning the ball over these are things that they need to fix because if they don't, this season is going to get away from them and quickly. And I don't want to see that because I don't think this team is 
one in three bad. I just don't. Yeah, I think it's so with Eric Gordon, I think um, on the last show with Jeremy, we were talking about just waiting until teams start to get desperate, which usually is around the all-star break. But I think with him, when he's a vet, now that he's playing a little better, they should be more aggressive in trying to move him because um, now he's older, there's a risk of injury or there's just he might start to digress eventually because teams are going to realize, oh, Eric Gordon is the only guy that's consistently coming out here and scoring. So we're just going to focus on him. So then his value starts to plummet a little bit because he's not looking as impressive. So I think he's someone who right now would be a great time because he's looking really good. Right. He's looking like he can make an impact on a team that's trying to win a championship. Uh, Daniel House, I think he played good. I don't know how long he's going to be out. I saw that he had a sprain, I think it was. Yeah. Right foot. So I don't know how long it's going to take him to come back. But I think they're what they're trying to do is – for some of these guys, just try to find an identity like you were saying, but it's a really weird way of doing it because, you know, we want to see the younger guys. Like, we want to see K.J. Martin more and Armani Brooks more and even Josh Christopher and Garuba, who didn't play at all. We want to see those guys and see what they can bring before that G League season starts to roll around because then they're not going to be available. Well, they'll be available, but they probably won't be playing any minutes when they're down with the G League team. So, yes. Yeah, I guess it's just we have to wait and see because, like you said, it's still early. But what it seems like what they're doing, though, is that it's two things. I think they're holding back a guy like Jalen Green. Like the system that they're running is holding back a guy like Jalen Green because, I mean, to be honest, I mean, who would you, who do you, who would you rather see be the point guard right now, honestly, Kevin Porter Jr. or Jalen Green? I don't know. It's rough. Maybe neither. <laughs> well, because the thing, the reason why I ask is because Kevin Porter Jr. with the ball in his hands does not make a good enough decision often enough for me to say he's the definitive point guard of this team. Like, is it? And when I watch him, I think one thing I notice is he doesn't look like he's as aggressive as he was last year when looking for a shot. And if you're coming right. into a game and you're constantly thinking, I need to facilitate and I need to get guys open, I need to do that, then it kind of just impact like we seen with uh James Harden in Brooklyn like everyone was like oh James Harden like he doesn't really look like himself and that worked for Brooklyn because they're just loaded with talent but for Kevin Porter Jr it's like yeah you're supposed to facilitate but you still have to look aggressive because if you're not looking for your shot and guys know that you're going to come down and try to pass the ball not only are you making yourself super easy to guard but it impacts your teammates and how freed up they can get because their defender knows that eventually the ball is coming to them. Like he's not coming down looking for a shot. So I think there's just, sometimes there's little things that guys need to tweak. Like, I don't think he's a point guard that should be having this many turnovers. Like, I don't think that's something that we've seen from him last year, but he was also way more aggressive and looking for a shot last year. And I think that's the biggest difference. I agree. Uh, Bringing up Zeke to talk all things Rockets basketball. Zeke, what you got, my man? Hey, guys. How's it going? Michael, man, it's been forever. Hey, it's been, it's been way too long, man. We, uh, way too long. I, I, I was on a cruise ship for a week uh, in the middle of the Caribbean, so I am back and hopefully better than ever. So it's always a pleasure to speak oh. with you, sir. Oh, I can definitely see you wearing some floor tops looking like Tony Montana out there, man. I can definitely well, see yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, there there wasn't one day where I wasn't wearing a speedo on the Lido deck with a, a Hawaiian shirt with only two buttons uh, done. Oh, that's uh, not a nice sight, but I love that for you, Sam. 
Well, come on, man. Like, man, you, you come on, man. Let's not get into that. Let's not get into that during during, during family time with all our Rockets fans here. But uh, yeah, definitely. What you What you see from the game tonight? Man, like, it's really hard to talk about this game because, you know, I was looking at the stats and you're just watching the game. It's kind of hard. We're also watching the Astros right now, but. The Rockets actually beat them from the bench scoring. Bench scoring, uh, actually beat them with the bench scoring. Actually had less turnovers, and their efficiency was about the same. But the one thing that really stood out, man, was the free throws. And it's just like, damn it, man! Like everything, everything you guys have said earlier is true, right? It's been a function, it's been a question to ask since the very first game, right? But this game kind of feels like the refs just let it get out of control. It got to a point where, like, every time Wood was in the paint, he was being pummeled and it got no calls. And, like, the one time that, like, he was supposed to get called, he didn't. Tate had to flop and finally got a call. But they also, but they also only shot one more free throw than the Rockets. Like I'm seeing a lot of, you know, Rockets Twitter saying that the officiating was bad, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to be Rockets fan that does that because if it's uneven, like if they shot 43 throws and we're shooting 20, yeah, that's probably a little lopsided, but they, they shot one more free throw than us. They went 18 of 26. We were 18 of 25. Like that's us. That's on us. Right. Don't you think? No, that's yeah. a fact. I mean, obviously, I'm just saying, like, in general, the, Houston, the overarching thing I've noticed, right, is that we're not really we, – we turn over the ball a lot. But we didn't really do that today. But we're just very, very small compared to the competition. And that's when, like, something like you said, like, we're talking about free throws, it starts to, like, really hit because you see guys flailing around the place. And, you know, the refs have this new mandate where they're, you know, they're supposed to call, call back and – how we saw things in the early 2000s, late, mid-90s. So it's like, you see these guys falling around the place and nobody's getting calls. This kind of looks crazy. But um, the one thing I will say, because the thing that interested me and brought me up here was the idea of who do we rather have the ball, Jalen Green or KPJ? I would say actually neither. But you know who would be the best playmaker on the floor that should be having more chances on the floor? Sengun. Oh, come on. Don't do that. No, well, don't I do, mean... Don't do that. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to stir up any controversy or anything. I'm just saying in general that KPJ right now, he's come into this league as a small four. Uh, you know, he doesn't really have that much reps as a point guard. He has point guard ability as a secondary playmaker, not as a first playmaker. On a team that's retooling or rebuilding, however you may call it, this is the time for him to get reps, right? Um, Somebody like Jalen Green can make reads really well, but he can only make simple passes more so, not the advanced passes. Tate is probably the best one on the floor making those advanced passes. He can throw skip passes, but his offensive skill in terms of his own shot creation doesn't create a lot of it doesn't create a lot of attention for the defense for him to do much, right? So when you think about it in the sense that if Sangun would start, it would actually lessen the pressure for KPJ and you wouldn't care too much about his turnovers. And he wouldn't have to think so much about setting everybody up 
he can actually go out there and just do what he does best with his score and just make that extra pass that he needs. Ray, where are you at with that? Mm -hmm. So I'll go back to the first one that he was talking about, the officiating, because um, I thought that was a really interesting topic because, you know, I think sometimes you look at um, just how many free throws teams shot and you're like, oh, okay, it was even. But I do think that in the second half, Houston was more aggressive going to the basket. And I think there was a lot of bumps. And there's a couple issues with when you're getting fouled, when you think you're getting fouled, but refs aren't calling it. One of them is that your aggressiveness starts to, um, change a little bit because you're like well I'm not going to go to the hoop if I'm going to get whacked and they're not going to call it like so I think back when I'm sorry to mention this but when Houston missed all those threes and everyone like makes all the memes about it, I think the thing that stood out to me most was they was getting fouled while shooting and getting fouled while attacking the basket and they're like well if we're not going to get the foul call when we go to the hoop we're going to put up threes because that was their offense and that's just the way it works and I think maybe not as large as a sample size we see that a lot in the league today and then also it creates a lot of complaining it creates um, a technical foul and you never want to pick up those technical fouls and for KPJ that's something that you never want to do especially in the fourth quarter but that's just like the nature of basketball and that's what happens so I think officiating it has more impact than we always point out and so yeah that was just a side thing that stuck to me can you repeat the second one I talked too long and lost it? No, I, I think that Shingun getting as much love as he's getting from Rockets Twitter, like I get it. The the the, the comparing him to Jokic needs to stop. It's enough already. Because in what, he's not, in what sense do you think like Rockets Twitter is trying to make him seem like he's the next big thing, or is it just that, like... Just the love that he gets is, quite honestly, at points, nauseating. <laughs> like, no, like, like, like I'm, I, I'm being very truthful. Like, the amount mm -hmm. of... I, I, think Rock, I think Rockets Twitter is so desperate after last year to grasp onto something that they see as a glimmer of hope. And that's why they look at Shengun and they talk about him being a top five passing big man in the league. I mean, okay, fine. The dude has literally played, what, four regular season NBA games. And tonight he had, what was his stat line? He had 14 yeah. minutes on the court. He had five points. He had two assists, two steals, a rebound, and he took a couple charges. He's a nice player. Don't get me wrong, but the amount of love that this dude is getting on Twitter by Rockets fans mm -hmm. is nauseating at points. Like I think he's, I think he's a good playmaker. I, okay, he's a good passing big man. I think. No, but what's nauseating about it? Like, what is? What are they saying? Like, is it the idea that they want them to start? Is it because like the love? It's, like, it's, I, I'm just trying to figure that out, that part out. Like, what's nauseating? It's just about the it? amount of people that are putting out multiple tweets a day. And just going to the going to the mat for this guy, saying he's the next big thing, he's a future all star, he's this, he's that. No one knows that. He's played four. He's played four. He's played four NBA oh, games. Yeah. I guess the nauseating part to me is the unrealistic, not expectations, but the unrealistic. Expectations? 
like viewpoint of where he is right now as an NBA player. What's um, unrealistic that like what would be he shouldn't he shouldn't be starting. He's not a better player than Daniel Tice. If you put Daniel Tice on the bench and you start Shangun, this team will get destroyed on the boards every single night. Um so this is this is where I'll disagree. I do think that Dice may be a little better just based off the fact that he's a um what is it? he's what they call I don't know why he had, he had a double no, double tonight. What do they call these type of players? They it's because he's a vet, so he knows how to play basketball, obviously. But like when you're actually watching and even the numbers like the advanced numbers sit in Sangoon's like favor. Sangoon is just as impactful or more impactful than Dice. The only thing Dice does better is rebound. That's it. So he He's as impactful with five points and two rebounds and two steals. Do you know versus what, versus fifteen and ten from Tice? Do you want to know what uh Sangoon's on off compared to Dice's? Dice's on I, off right now is negative eight. Sangoon's on oh, off is one point eight. Right, Ray. All the please, best lineups have Sangoon featured. Ray, please back me up. And where where are you in this? Like, am I? I'm not saying I'm not saying Sangoon is the greatest thing ever, but like he's played that, four games. No, but I, I get it. But like, even if it's four games, you can't poo poo the guys that are saying like, yeah, bring Sangoon out there. Sangoon's better. Like, I'm no, 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 no. I'm not poo pooing those guys. What I'm saying is, do not bring the next Jokic or the next Pau Gasol to me. After four NBA games, that's all. Oh, I'm saying. oh okay, fine. No, fine. that's a, no, no, no. I have no problem showing the dude love. I have not look. Okay. He's our guy. I'm a big fan of his. But the, going back to the term nauseating, don't tell me he's the next Jokic. He should be starting. He's this. He's that. It's four games, and you had, I mean, he had five. Po- he had five points and two. Re- he had five points deal. and two rebounds. The, that's all I'm gonna say. The, the starting, yeah, the starting point is not a big deal. Now, if you're saying people are saying he's the next offensive superstar, big. Okay, I can understand why you're like, okay, chill, relax. You know what I mean? But all the sure. other stuff, I'm just like, hey, it's four games. The numbers say that, suggest that, and we'll probably see what happens. I would not be surprised by, like, game 40 he starts because this team is rebuilding. You know what I mean? Like, that's just what it is. I feel you guys are going to start. I feel you. Zeke, I got a couple other speakers I need to get to, my man. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Oh, it's always a pleasure to hang with you guys, too, man. My man, we'll talk soon. All right. Uh, Ray, before we get to our next speaker, uh, Josh McSwag, where are you at on what we just talked about? So I think Singoon, obviously, he's shown flashes. But to me, when it's so early in the season and a guy who he's looked comfortable in his role and, like, he's gradually shown more and more flashes, I think – you don't want to rush a good thing and ruin it. And I feel like, you know, there's people, some people are like, okay, I want him to be starting by the all-star break, which is like, you know, reasonable. But then there's other people who like you scroll on Twitter, they'll be saying, Oh, well he should be starting like next game. And I think the issue with that is you already have so many things going on in the starting lineup. Like Christian Wood, he's trying to become the man in Houston. Like he's trying to, um, get to that point where he's consistent and he's reliable every night. And Kevin Porter Jr. is trying to do the same thing, but he's also trying to juggle the responsibilities of being an NBA point guard and all the challenges that come with that. Jalen Green, he's trying to just do everything. He's a rookie. I mean, 
you know, he's young. He's trying to find that consistency. He's trying to find getting to his spots. He's trying to find what works for him and the best scoring positions that he could put himself in. And it's just, you know, you throw Sangoon out there who he's trying to, I mean, he's shown that he can play well with the pace of the NBA, but you don't want to overwhelm him and you don't want to just throw him into the fire because I feel like Kevin Porter Jr.'s struggles have been because he's been thrown into the fire as a point guard. And now people have, I want to say start to turn on him because I don't see like a bunch of hate being thrown his way, but people have started to kind of change their opinions, change their opinions of the ceiling. And I think that's what it's going to happen with him into the starting lineup because I mean, he's young. It's only natural for young guys to struggle, but he's also a rookie and he's also coming in from another country. So there's, other challenges and there's other things that you have to pick up on and so yeah you just you don't want to throw your young guys into the fire because not only can that kill confidence but it also can just kill the perception around them i totally agree josh is our next speaker josh mcswag what do you got for the show tonight my man hey what's going on man uh thanks for bringing me up uh i'm actually absolutely i'm actually a mavs fan i, I was at the game um, i saw your, your your room here and i just wanted to join um, I feel like the Rockets kind of gave this game away, honestly. I feel like if they didn't just they, – they had so many needless turnovers. Like every fifth possession, it felt like Kevin Porter Jr. or, or Jalen Green were just throwing the ball away in the paint. Um, and I, f- I felt like that was the difference in the game. Um, so I feel like this is a team that has talent. They just are still learning how to play together. Uh, and, and in terms – I came in late with your discussion. I was listening to Zeke. He's my guy. Um, Tice – Every single time the Rockets, Kevin Porter Jr. or, or Green, would force the ball down low to Tice, it was a win for the Mavericks. I, I don't know why he's starting. I, I think Eric Gordon, from what I've seen, is your best player, and I don't know why he's coming off the bench. Like, my question to you is, you're, you're a Rockets fan, why isn't Christian Wood the starting five with Eric Gordon somehow being slotted in this lineup? Because I feel like he's too good to be sitting on the bench. Well, a couple things. One, Christian Wood is not a five. Christian Wood is a power forward. It's very reminiscent of what Anthony Davis is with the Lakers. Anthony Davis is not a five. We tried him at the five last year, and it just didn't work out very well. Um, He's a power forward. Now, the problem is the Rockets have left the front line pretty bare, where you look at the only bigs that they have. They've got Wood, they've got Tice, and they've got um, Wood, Tice, and Sangoon. They got a guy they drafted out of uh, Spain, Usman Garuba. They just won't play him. Oh, is he, um, he's available. He's just not playing. I thought he was unavailable. No, no, Garuba. Garuba's available. He's on the bench. Oh, um, yeah, he should be getting some run too. Yeah, Ray. I don't know how, what you think as it pertains to Garuba and getting him some run. Um, I'm a I'm a fan of getting Garuba some major minutes. I think he's one of the biggest steals in the draft, especially defensively. I mean, that's a specialty. Um, but the last part that I'll say about Eric Gordon, I'll let you take it away, Ray, is his Eric Gordon's forte is coming off the bench. He's, he's just not a starter. I mean, the fact he can come in and he can destroy the bench unit for nearly every team in the league is a major bonus for the Rockets. Mm -hmm. I just, I just feel like he's, when I'm looking at the Rockets, I just feel like he's the only one who knows how to play. Like I watch. I watched that game tonight and I was terrified every time Eric had the, Eric had the the ball in his hands because I knew he knew what to do with the ball. So I just, I don't know. That's my- yeah, Ray, I, I'll let you take it from here, my man. 
Yeah, I think that's fair for Eric Gordon. I feel like he was easily the guy who looked the most comfortable on the court. Um, I think outside of Christian Wood, but easily the guard that looked the most comfortable on the court because Jalen Green, he's bouncing around. He's super light, so he gets moved off his spot super easy, which is kind of tough, and he'll have to just put on that muscle. But unfortunately, we won't see that until after the offseason. And then Kevin Porter Jr., obviously, with the turnovers, not ideal. So I think Eric Gordon definitely, when you look at, like, guys that are, like, you know, he's out there and he could win the game. That's what Eric Gordon was tonight. I think the reason why he doesn't start would be because their defense already is not good. They, I mean, if you were to look at the stats, like obviously not you, Josh, you was at the game and you're a Dallas fan, so you know. <laughs> but if the average person was to look at the stats, they'd be like, oh, they did a really good job on Luka tonight. They did not do a good job on Luka. He just wasn't on his typical game. And um, so maybe people could look at that and get the perception that the Rockets did a good job on defense. But throughout the season, they've just had a lot of struggles on defense. And taking Tice out, who's been protecting the rim really well, it would only hurt them more. And so I think that's why they're going with him. And then on top of that, he can step out and knock down threes, which helps with spacing a whole lot. But I think it's just they'd rather live with Tice and what he brings on defense and the threes that he hits rather than just let their guys go down there and get punished every time down the floor. But, I mean, you know, it's it's a set. It's, it comes down to if you want the defense or if you just want more offense. And I think – Houston last year, even though even through their struggles, we've seen that they want to be more of a defensive team and have a defensive identity. So I think that's what goes into that decision. No, that's fair. Uh, and you guys know this team better than I do. So I, you know, I, I take your word over, over what I saw for a one game. So I uh, appreciate y'all, uh, you know, bring me up here and, and answer my question. It was a great game. Um, like I said, I thought the Rockets kind of gave it away. Um, it was there to be had. Uh, your future's bright. Jalen Green, uh, I was hoping to see more of him in the second half. But, you know, he's 19. That's that's to be expected. So he'll get better. And uh, I think you guys are you guys are building something pretty special. We appreciate it, Josh. Thank you for joining the show. And uh, congrats on the win. All right, Ray, we got a couple more speakers we want to get to. We got a nice little room tonight. We got a bunch of people who want to talk Rockets basketball. How much better does it get than this, Ray? Uh, we are going to bring up our next speaker, Mr. Joseph James. Joseph, how are you? Glad you're tuned in. What do you got for Ray and myself this evening? I'm doing all right, man. How are you? Oh, the Astros are getting their ass kicked in the Rockets. Lost. Besides that, it's been a great day. Yes, yeah, tough, tough, tough game oh, yeah. one. Framber got blown up really early. Not good. Uh, what you got for the show tonight, my man? Um, just interesting interested to get you guys perspective on um, how you think minutes will shake out because I think there's pretty wide consensus that you know there's several guys on the roster that are most likely going to get moved at some point to flip them for value and then open up minutes for some of the younger guys but it feels like right now that they're kind of like not uh, committing to a particular uh, direction with that. Like they're kind of trying to have their cake and eat it too. So like with the forward rotation, it feels like there's really only uh, room minutes wise for one of Nawaba house and KJ to get meaningful minutes, but rather than like just kind of 
sticking with one of them and like writing it out they're kind of just mixing through all of them to the point that it doesn't feel like any of them are able to like really um get significant minutes you know yeah ray i we touched on it earlier a little bit i mean kj martin jr seems like the guy that needs to get more minutes i think he can develop into a really nice role player I, I, I don't understand why he's only getting five minutes. I don't know why Brooks isn't playing. And I'll tell you who I would like to see get legitimate minutes is Josh Christopher. You drafted him for a reason. He's a first-round talent. Like, why are you just sitting him on the bench? And it's because you have other guys, Eric Gordon, David Nawaba, Daniel House, all getting minutes ahead of these other young guys where you could be escalating your development time, but instead you're – not playing those young guys, not allowing your young talent to develop that much quicker, and you're not winning games. So it's really a failure on a 360 scale by coaching and by the front office for the direction that they currently have in that perspective. And I think when you look at a team and when you look at like the box score and you look at a minutes breakdown, um, typically you're going to see guys who have the same amount of minutes every outing. And I feel like teams and coaching staffs get so caught up into that because for me personally, you know, Jay Sean Tate, he's going to play a target amount of minutes, but if that night he's not giving it to you, then it's fine to look at other guys and be like, okay, well, what can Josh Christopher come and give us? Or what can Armani Brooks come and get us? Or KJ or just anyone who could come in and provide a spark. And if they provide that spark, then they get the opportunity to stay in the game and try to change the game and maybe even close the game. And then from that point on, it becomes a cycle. But I feel like all of us are noticing that that's not really the case. Like guys can struggle and they're going to stay in the game because that's kind of what the rotation says. But I feel like when you're rebuilding, like what do you have to lose at this point? If you have, if you give Josh Christopher minutes and he comes in and, you know, he just doesn't have a big positive impact on the game, then that's perfectly fine because it's not like they're fighting for seeding or anything like that or that we're expecting them, expecting them to down the line. So I feel like it's a big opportunity to get these younger guys involved and they're just missing it. Yeah, I totally agree. Joseph, thank you so much for joining the show, my man. We've got a couple other speaker requests we're going to get to before we wrap up the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joseph. Uh, Ray, we have got one more speaker request, it looks like, from Braylon. I hope I am saying that correctly. Welcome to the show, my man. How are you? Glad you tuned in. What you got? Um, um, nothing much. Um, what's up, Michael Ray? Uh, I've listened for a minute, you know, Houston fan since I was born. Um, and thank you for letting me get on the, um, getting bumped up here in the green room. The pleasure is ours. Um, so I know I'm not the only one that feels this way, but I'm not sure if y'all have spoken on it because I've kind of been in and out. But uh, I, I, I haven't heard this talked about. Steven, I, and, and this is from, from what I've seen in the past four games, right, the first four games of the season. Other than the Celtics games, how – Jalen Green is touching the ball. Like, his touches are so far spread apart. That's why we're seeing the inconsistencies. And I'm just wondering, what do y'all think about how he's not getting often touches and how it's like, hey, 
he makes a couple shots, and then it's like six minutes before he gets another touch of the ball, let alone the shot. Yeah, right. I'll let you take it first, my man. I think so. It's it, it probably comes down to a number of things. I think, you know, the coaches have to be more adamant with getting him involved because that is your guy. That's your number two pick. That's the guy that you want to get going. And even if he's having a bad night, you still want to see him get going and just having the ball in his hands and having the opportunity to score or do something special because against Boston, we've seen what he can do. And obviously not every night's going to be like Boston, but you want to at least leave the potential for every night to be like Boston. Like you don't just want to make that assumption that, okay, he's a rookie, he's going to struggle. So we're going to kind of spread it out. But I think it's also a lot of it's going to come down to him and being more outspoken and demanding the ball because you know, sometimes guys demand the ball, they're aggressive, and they have this bad reputation. Like Colin Sexton, a lot of people dislike Colin Sexton. I never, I don't mind Colin Sexton. I honestly like watching him play. But there's a lot that gets said about him. But at the end of the day, you know that Colin Sexton is going to get his buckets. So it doesn't really matter. And that's what I like to see Jalen Green. Obviously, we're not on the floor, so we can't tell if he's being more vocal. But the fact that it's so spaced out, I'm going to assume that he's not. And so some things comes down to coaching staff and then other things just come down to just gradually happening over time and growing as a player. But yeah, I think that's something I noticed too. It's a little weird, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I think one thing to piggyback on that is you want a guy like Jalen green. It's like a pickup basketball game where you go to 11 and one guy gets, you know, the first five points and then they, you just stop going to him. You know, like, and you got to demand the ball. And he's got to learn that. He's got to learn how to be more aggressive in the middle of the game. But, like, tonight, he was, what, four, what do we say, four of 17 or, or something ridiculous like that? Yeah, he was four for 16. He was two for nine. For yeah. 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 His, his, first of all, through four games, his three-point shot has to improve. And the thing is, there are going to be people out there that say he's a rookie, he's got to learn, he's got to – you know, he's got to do that, you know, this and that, and he'll learn that as the year goes on, and that's fine. But on this show, we're going to call it exactly how we see it. He has not been good enough thus far as a Houston Rocket outside of the one game, was it uh, the Boston game where he put up 30. The other three games, he hasn't been great. He's been okay. He's been good, but his three-point shot has to improve. He's got to be more aggressive getting to the bucket, and he's got to be a better – he's got to help lead the floor better. Is that an unfair statement to either one of you gentlemen? I do think it's a little unfair. Like, once again, we're talking about a 19-year-old guy that has played, I think, like 30 games of, like, real quick basketball in the past year. Sure. Um, I I do think that's a little bit unfair, but I, like... It's not an unfair expectation, though. Okay, that's, no, what, no, that's where no, I'm coming from. Okay, that... so now, it, it, I I I think it's a little unfair to expect. Okay, so I remember second quarter, right? You know, he drove hard, took on um, the, the light skin center. I can't think of his name. Ooh, that sounds bad. Josh, Josh Powell. Powell, uh, Powell, right? So he went on, he took on, and, and and took on and made an aggressive layup against Powell. Made that layup. Then later on. He gets a three-point shot. He makes that. And then it went five minutes where there was no offense ran. There was no sets called. There was nothing ran. And then you just see guys sitting in the corner. And Jalen Green is saying that three-point wing just standing there, just staring at, like, what am I what am I supposed to do? Like, 
I don't think that's on Jalen Green. I think that's more on coaching not being a set structure and like, like your number two pick. Like sometimes you have to just call. Like it's it's it's, it's very it's very tough to, to expect a nineteen year old kid to just be like, hey, give me this ball. And you got veterans like Eric Gordon and DJ Augustine and Tate gets the ball and try and and, and he has to run offense at times. It's just like it's just a lot of confusion. I feel like in offense. And what I will say about structure is, you know, when you have a score, like when we go watch any elite score in the league, their coaching staff, they're going to, and the guys on the floor, they're going to find a way to get those guys easy baskets because um, a lot of those scores, they can score in volume and all they need is to see a couple shots go in. And I feel like we don't necessarily see that for Jalen Green. Like sometimes even as good as your best player might be, like even as good as Damian Lillard is, Portland's going to find a way to get him the easy basket so that right he can kind of get going and get warmed up. And with Jalen Green, I feel like he has to work for a lot of his own shots. I mean, there's a couple of times when it looks like they might throw him an alley-oop, but that's not really making it easy. That's just transition or that's just being aware of the floor. I feel like, you know, you got to get guys warmed up and you got to get them these easy scoring opportunities so they can get a feel for the game. Sure. Braylon, we got one more speaker request. We're going to end the night. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, we look forward to hearing from you next game, my man. All right, Ray, we got one more speaker. You got time for one more? Yep. My man. Bringing up one, Lewis Brown, no relation. Uh, Mr. Brown, uh, what do you got for the Dream Shakes, the Dream Take this evening? Uh, he may want to hit the unmute button uh, in order to speak on the show. Uh, but while he does that, right, let me ask you a quick question. It's off. There you go. What do you got, Mr. Brown? Uh, sorry about that. A couple of things. I want to just bounce off you guys to see what you think. <clears throat> I was kind of watching the game tonight along with the baseball game. Uh, you know, I'm thinking at this point, uh, you know, Eric Gordon is healthy. I think he played well tonight. I'm, you know, I wouldn't mind see them going with Gordon at the three and letting Tate come off the bench. And what do you think about sometimes flip-flopping Martin with Jalen Green? I just, you know, watching these guys, and there's not a whole lot of uh, games to watch that they've played. I just think Jalen Green is more of a natural point guard than – I think Martin would – Martin. um, Kevin Porter Porter Jr. would be a great – two guard and what is y'all's thoughts on why do you think uh Kenyon Martin Jr. is not getting a lot of run right now and I appreciate the show guys my man um Ray why don't why don't you speak on that first Mm -hmm. so I think with Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green I think the best part about this rebuild and I've kind of hinted at a little bit is that you have the freedom to experiment and you know, Kevin Porter Jr., it's not like he stepped up and was like, I want to be the point guard of this team. They, From what it seems like, it seems like they approached him and was like, hey, like, we want you to be the point guard moving forward. We want you to be like the James Harden type of guy. And, you know, if that's just not working out, then you're perfectly fine with seeing how Jalen Green works out and just trying new things. I don't think it has to be that Kevin Porter Jr. is the point guard of the future and Jalen Green is the shooting guard of the future because, I mean, it's – the way the NBA is today, you know, with how the sizes of guards works, it's a lot more fluid. Like Portland, second time mentioning Portland, but 
CJ and Dane, neither of them are the tallest guys on the floor. They're both pretty similar in height, and that's just the way it is. So I think I, it'd be interesting to see them give the responsibilities to Jalen Green and just test it out. But I also think it might cause him to struggle more because being a point guard is a super tough task in the NBA. It's like basically being a quarterback in football, as we all know. So that will – I mean, I'm open to it. I just don't know how – Graded B for their growth, especially if they keep switching off. I would love it. I, I just, man, he gives off vibes of he feels like a thoroughbred, and they're just walking him right now. Like he's mm. the question I was going to ask you is, I mean, if you had to grade the pitch, the pitching the coaching staff so far this year, what would you give the coaching staff as a whole? What do you think, what grade would you give them for the job that they've done thus far? Um, I think, so I think they, the team, they've got the team to compete really well, but I think overall, I couldn't give them more than a C minus for a couple of reasons. I think the rotation hasn't been great and they haven't done a good job of um, putting in guys who can come in and call the spark. And I also think, you know, just going back to the season opening game, that was a basketball team that was not prepared to play basketball. And even though it hasn't happened since, it was recent enough since we're doing these grades right now for me to say that was an issue. Like, this is the most exciting time for a lot of guys because they're making their NBA debuts or they're stepping into a new opportunity or it's just, you know, they have a lot of goals coming into the year. Game one is the opportunity for them to start them and that team just looked flat. They looked like... It was a preseason game, so I couldn't give them more than a C minus. That's exactly the grade I was gonna say. Like I swear to God, like it's a they haven't done a great job. They really haven't. Like the system that they're building that you you look at, they've been in these games. They were in the Boston game, they were in the game tonight. There's just there's no offensive system yet that is built for the talent that they have. Like, they haven't gotten the guys on the floor to buy into a singular system. I think it's the biggest thing that is plaguing the Rockets right now. Like, it's, it's hard to go to Eric Gordon, Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green, Jay Sean Tate, and say, here's our system, go run it. Like, these dudes are trying to make it, like, you put it perfectly. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to get exposure. Eric Gordon is trying to get his. He's not trying to get the teams is the way I see it. So I'm with you. I give it, I give it somewhere between a C minus and a C plus. Like somewhere in that ballpark, but it's not a B. It's definitely not an A. But there's still time. I would say that there's, there's still plenty of time to turn this thing around. Yeah, and luckily, you know, it's a young team. It's a relatively young coaching staff, so. A lot of the stuff is growing pains and a lot of the things. I mean, by the all-star break, we might, our grade might bump all the way up because all of a sudden we're seeing a lot better offensive sets and just mm-hmm. a team that looks like they're more prepared to go out there and try to win a game. Than play basketball. So, I totally agree. And it's frustrating because you want them to execute and you want – you never want to get out-coached, but – Maybe it's just like we're supposed to give Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. and all those other guys time. Maybe we're not giving the coaching staff enough time to really 
just adapt to having such a young team because it's a unique situation. I feel like there's young teams that, you know, you just go out there and you're like, all right, we're probably not going to win tonight. But this is a team who, if a guy gets hot, they're capable of winning, which isn't always the case with a rebuild. So maybe we're just not patient enough and maybe it will get better. But for now, I'm comfortable with C minus C plus or C minus C. Ray, that's the show, my man. I had fun tonight. This is a good show. We had a great turnout, a lot of speakers. This was a blast. I know. You think we won or something. <laughs> you know, you imagine when we finally just win, like, a meaningful game. Like, it's literally going to be Mardi Gras came twice in 2021. I hope it's at some point in 2021. They, imagine if they steal an upset or something like that. Like, oh, my. If they beat the Lakers, it might get kind of crazy in here. I don't know. This, the Lakers don't look very good this year, and I absolutely love it. Um, make sure to check out the Dream takes mothership the dream shake on twitter at dream shake sbn make sure to give the dream take a follow at the dream take make sure to give my co-pilot ray lucas a follow on twitter at make sure to follow me at bsw podcast underscore mb if you're on facebook make sure to give the facebook page for the dream shake a follow at the dream shake once again raymond lucas and i recapping the Rockets unfortunate 116 to 106 loss to the Dallas Mavericks we will be back with you here on green Spotify green room Thursday night uh, after the Rockets game until next time Rockets fans go Rockets today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.